All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Backbuilders podcast. I have a really interesting for one for you guys today. It's been a while, like a couple of weeks since I've last recorded an episode, and there's a good reason for that. Um, I just became a dad about 11 days ago today, so that's why I haven't been recording a video in combination of a very long labor process, like up to 90 hours of labor is how long it took to get the uh, boy out. And um, <laughs> yeah, and just no sleep, like no sleep pretty much at all up until very recently now that he's like sleeping more through the night. So everything's been going super well. You know, if you guys have been following my Instagram, you'll know that my son Magnus was born on the 20th of April at, I think it was like 7 PM. And, um, like I said, really long labor process, about 90 hours, which I'll talk about more in another video. But, um, yeah, that is extraordinary. Like that's very rare for that to happen, but, uh, everything went well in the end, you know, mom's healthy, boy's healthy. We're all healthy. Everything's good. But my message today is going to be to you aspiring and future fathers. So, I, you know, I wanted to make this video about, I had to think about why I wanted to do this video and who this video was intended for. And I guess what this video is intended for is basically to help you clear some fog about what to expect when becoming a dad. And this is mostly, I would say this is right before labor and right after the birth and um, basically answering some questions for you that I had before my child was born uh, because you're going to have a lot. And I say aspiring because I think that every man should aspire to become a father. Um, I'm not saying that everybody should be a parent. There's a lot of people out there who I don't think should be parents because they're just horrible people or they're just not capable or they're too irresponsible. We all know who those people are. Um, but I think that most men, especially if you're watching this video, Aspiring to be a father is one of the most important things you could do. I would say it is your duty. And I would say that it is a responsibility worth bearing. Now, future fathers watching this, I'm making this for you because maybe you're about to be a dad soon. Maybe you just became a dad like me. Um, or, you know, like I said, you're planning on becoming one. So first things first, congratulations if you're about to be a dad or if you even want to be a dad. I think even just wanting to be a dad as a young man these days is a victory in and of itself because a lot of us have been so brainwashed into thinking that having children is a bad thing and that we should avoid having children because, you know, global warming or because, uh, you know, overpopulation or now there are there is all these articles coming out about why um, white people shouldn't have babies anymore because it's racist and all this stuff like that. So congratulations if you want to have a child because i grew up in a generation where having a child was um or at least you know my generation was so brainwashed and thinking that children are stupid that they're dumb that they're a waste of time and they're a waste of energy and it really is a brainwashing technique to get you to not spread your genes on um but that's besides the point um so first things first what should you expect when becoming a dad and this is off the top of my head um, you got a long road ahead of you. And I don't say that lightly and I don't say that to scare you, but if you're at that point where you found out that your wife or your girlfriend is pregnant, I, now is the time to prepare for everything in the future. So we'll start off by what do you do before the baby's born? Prepare everything, make sure that everything is prepared, get a baby registry, start sending out to family and friends and start getting a really good idea of what type of environment you want your baby to grow up in. For me, I found out that I was having a kid in California 
which highly inspired me to move out of California because I decided and, you know, my lady and I agreed and even my family agreed that just California wasn't a good place to raise a young child. You know, 20 years ago when I was raising California, it wasn't nearly as bad. So it wasn't really something we had to consider as much. But now it's 2022. California is worse than ever. Um, and, you know, I lived in Southern California, so it was just it was garbage. Like there was no way I can raise my newborn there. So that was the first thing is I had to decide what type of environment do I want to raise my son in? And is this the environment? And obviously it was California. I had to decide, no, it's, this is not a safe place to raise my child. Um, so that's when I made the move to Idaho. And a lot of you guys who are outside of my Patreon or my close friends list, a lot of people are asking why I moved to Idaho so suddenly, what suddenly inspired me to move there? I've been wanting to move there for a long time, but obviously after I found out that my child was conceived, then that's when I made that move. So first thing is first, decide what type of environment you want your child to grow up in depending on where you are in your pregnancy phase. Second of all, nutrition starts now. If your child is in the womb now, then just know that what the mother eats, the baby eats also. I'm not going to get into the process of how a baby digests food, but it basically sounds like to me in my research, which was minimal when it comes to like the digestion of food with the baby, basically whatever nutrients, micronutrients the mother absorbs, the baby absorbs it also through the amniotic fluid. Um, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. So if you want a healthy, strong baby and you want to reduce the amount of risks that come with having a child, and there are some, you'll have something called a 20 week anatomy scan. It's the scariest thing you'll ever do. It's when you first find out if your child has anything physically wrong with it, then you'll do a uh, PKA, I think it's called, where you find out there's any genetic disorders. Also horrifying, but those can be reduced by eating as cleanly as you possibly can. If there's any time to eat as healthy as you possibly can, or rather your the child, uh, the mother of your child to eat as healthy as she possibly can, it's when the baby is being developed over the period of nine months. And also before even the baby's developed, if you have somebody who is severely overweight, they're drinking a lot, they're just generally unhealthy, they live in a, a, a um, very lethargic, tired lifestyle, not only is that going to affect the baby before he's even born, um, but also the labor is going to become much, much more intense. You're going to have much more complications. So not only are you, you should you eat as healthy as possible, should she eat as healthy as possible, but both of you guys, because you want to set the example, right? Um, while the baby, baby is being developed, you want to do that beforehand. So if you're courting a woman right now who is just eating disgustingly, she's eating a lot of fast foods and not drinking any water. And there's tons of women out there, people in general, who just don't drink water anymore. It's like all Coca-Cola. Those are red flags that you should pay attention to because those habits likely aren't going to break up through the development of the child. So make sure you're picking your lady very, very carefully, which hopefully all of you guys are doing. So anyways, make sure she's eating as healthy as possible. Okay, how do you do that? I highly suggest eating all organic foods, all organic foods. The amount of damage that your average consumed food causes from Albertsons or Walmart or Stater Brothers or... Ridley's or wherever you're shopping, your basic American grocery store, listen to me very carefully. That food is garbage. It's poisonous. It's damaging your child. It's damaging you. It's damaging your wife or your lady. And it's going to uh, increase risk. And that is something that we want to reduce a lot of. Okay. So eat organic if you can. I know, guys, I know it's fucking expensive. I know it costs a lot, a lot of money. I know that you'll walk out of Whole Foods or Sprouts spending $150, $250 at least every week, week and a half, because your food is going to go bad so quickly. 
But I'm telling you, it pays off tenfold because you'll have a healthy child and there's nothing you want more than having a healthy child. And is that to say that by eating organic, you're completely reducing the risks of deformities or, um, you know, mental issues? No, but you do reduce it. And that's what we want to do is reduce the risk. So eat organic foods, eat healthy, focus on your macronutrients and micronutrients, your vitamins, your minerals, um, your proteins, your carbs your fats, make sure you're getting it all in. Make sure that she's eating a lot and make sure that she's eating um, quality. So quality over quantity, but also quantity too, because you know she wants to keep that caloric intake up, especially when it comes to breastfeeding, but I'll get to that. Okay. Get off the tap water. Get off the tap water as soon as possible. If you are a pregnant woman or you wish to have a child soon, um, or even if you're breastfeeding, that tap water that you're drinking, hopefully not, is absolutely horrible for you. The fluoride, the chlorine, the EE2 birth control hormones, it is poisonous. Cut it out of your system, cut it out of your diet and go to Whole Foods, go to Sprouts and start getting reverse osmosis purified water. It's, unless you can find a spring around you, which I doubt. Um, but go to my other video about finding a spring. Maybe you can get that, but get off that top tap water like now. Just stop drinking it and maybe read the book Estro Generation, which talks about um, some problems with drinking tap water and also how it affects your child's development. Okay. Reduce stress, reduce stress. Okay. There is nothing, you know, so we talked about like, you know, drinking water, eating lots of food. There are other things that you have to do in order to reduce risk and to form a healthy baby. Um, and also keep your lady happy is reduce stress. So this goes back to environment. What type of environment is your wife in? What type of environment is, is surrounding you? Is that a high stress environment? Is it high tempo? Do you have family drama? Um, do you have problems at home? Are you arguing a lot with each other? Because if there is a lot of stress hormones being produced within the mother of the child, those stress hormones are going to be imprinted and developed within that child also. This is like a highly stressed out mom increases their child's chances of depression, anxiety, lack of self-confidence. And is that to say that if the mother is stressed out, that that child is for sure going to be anxious and stressed and you know, all that stuff like that, it's going to be mirrored. No, but it doesn't help. So keep her hydrated, eat well, and keep the stress low. Okay. And that's not to say that she should be inactive and coddled and basically at home all the time. Go out and exercise, get some sunlight. Sunlight is a huge part of pregnancy and keeping your wife happy and healthy. Okay. Um, that's about everything that I can think of leading up to pregnancy. Now, as let's say, I can't think of anything else. If I think of anything else, I'll come back to, it. let's see. I'm thinking about development, stress-free, hydration, food. It's pretty simple, guys. Like it's it's pretty straightforward, you know? You don't have to overcomplicate things. Take it take it slow. Take it easy. You have to remember that you're about to have a child and that after you have that child, your life is going to completely and totally change. You'll find a new normal, you know? It's not going to change. People make it sound like your life is over. And I think that was one of the things that really bothered me the most about going into fatherhood is that everyone's like you better enjoy your free time now because once you have a baby, you're a slave or, you know, you better enjoy partying now or drinking now because once you have a baby, it's all over, buddy. It's like, no, I went into this with the intention of like bringing in a new aspect of um, a new life into this world, something I was very proud of, something that um, brought me a lot of joy, brought us a lot of joy, something that, you know, like I said, it, it was my duty. It was my responsibility. So don't listen to people when they tell you that your life is going to be over 
and that, you know, it only gets harder from here. They all say it's like, yeah, it's a new challenge. Fucking go figure. Life is about challenges. Life is about advancing. Life is about new things. You know, life is about experiencing the joys and wonder of reproduction and watching your child grow up. It's like I, I have a serious pet peeve with people who tell me stuff like that. Like, for example, I was in the grocery store with my lady today. A lady comes up to us and she goes, oh, that baby's so cute. Just wait until that baby turns three. You're going to hate that three-year-old. I'm like, who, who are you? Like, why, why do people say shit like that? And it's like, I'm not under the illusion that three-year-olds aren't challenging or that they can't be little shits. But like to say that you're going to hate that, I'm going to hate my three-year-old. You're like, yeah, it sounds like you're, you're off the mark there, mom. But um, people are going to tell you that shit all the time. But just follow your gut, follow your intuition. But anyways, I digress. Leading up to, let's say you're at that point, pregnancy. Let's say labor, okay? Not even giving birth yet, labor. What is what is your job as a father in in the realm of labor? Well, it depends on if you're doing a home birth or if you're doing a um, if you're doing a hospital birth. So if you're doing a hospital birth, your job is pretty hands off. To be honest, it's kind of sad in a lot of ways, but I guess that's what happens when you're in the hospital, especially the hospital shitty. Um, your job is pretty much hands off. You're not really doing much. All you're doing is providing your lady with support with comfort, with love. You're just giving her water, making sure she's hydrated. If you're doing a home birth, you're going to kind of act as her doula in a way, unless you like, so, so for example, we got a doula. Um, we ended up realizing that, you know, the doula was really good, but we also did really well by ourselves. So, you know, I supported her through every minute of that labor, which was, like I said, it was like 90 minutes long, but don't overcomplicate labor either. You know, the body's going to do what the body's going to do. Just get her in a safe environment. Make sure she's eating. Make sure she's hydrated. She's going to be in a lot of pain. She's going to be in a lot of discomfort. Um, she's going to feel stressed. She's going to feel worried. Her labor might be short and maybe long, but do some research into, into the labor process and what actually happens to the female body with the uterus and with the cervix and with the contractions and with the timing and all that stuff like that. Don't go into it ill-prepared. I think a lot of parents go into labor or birth or just having a kid in general with doing little to no research. I would say that 80% of parents nowadays, like let's say my age, do zero research when it comes to having a kid. But you know, these people do zero research with pretty much everything in their lives and they're pretty much always in the dark. So, um, you know, you can't really expect them to change that much when going into something like this. But let me give you some examples of stuff that I did. Now, I had to give you some context of the scenario of what happened. We wanted to do a home birth uh, and we did not want to go to the hospital. We didn't want to go to the hospital for a couple of reasons. One, we don't trust the medical system as much as we used to. Um, that's a little different in Idaho. Idaho is better, but in California, you're due for a traumatic birth. Most likely if you're going to, especially if you're working with like Kaiser or any of these other like shitty Southern California hospitals. Um, point is we wanted to generally just avoid the hospital. We didn't want to be a part of it. Um, unless we absolutely had to, unless it was an emergency, which I'll get to in a second. So we're like, let's do a home birth. People have been doing home births for thousands upon thousands of years. You know, if you had a, have a midwife or if you have a doula, uh, midwives are basically like re registered nurses that you can hire to come to your house. Doulas are like, you know, support women. You know, they only support you. They, they offer some advice and it's mostly emotional support, but you don't need them. Um, midwives are essential for home births in my opinion. Um, but we're like, you know, women have been doing that. We want to do as natural of a birth as possible. Women have been giving birth naturally, meaning out of the hospital for thousands and thousands of years. And that's not to say that hospital births don't have their benefits, but I like to come back to a more naturalistic, really, truly traditional uh, area with my food, with my drinks, with my exercise, and with, my, with, my, with our birthing process. 
So we decided to go home birth, but after about 90 hours of labor, actually, I think we transferred after like the 72nd hour because she was just so exhausted and her contractions were so intense and they lasted so long that we actually had to transfer to the hospital because the baby's head was like canted sideways and it's basically like lodged in her uterus and the baby just wasn't going to come out without hospital assistance. We ended up transferring to the hospital, which ended up being great. They respected all of our boundaries, our birth plan. And uh, yeah, it ended up working out. Um, but where was I going with that? Oh, hands off. So yeah, your job is is mostly just emotional support, just being there by her side, not fucking around the entire time, you know, not bringing your video game console to the hospital, which people do all the time I've seen, which I don't necessarily blame them for because you're in there for so long. But this is a very important moment of your life. You want to be as present as possible. And you have to remember this moment right here for this child only comes once. So try to take all those stressful emotions and, and your worries and your concerns and just push them away and really focus on your lady and getting her through this process and helping the baby and the midwives and the nurses and the doctors as much as possible because they will need you. I mean, shit, there was even times when my lady was going through um, pushes that I was holding her legs because the midwife wasn't there yet or the doctor ran out. And so I was like holding her leg as she was pushing. As a dad, that's like, that's the scariest thing ever. You know, you're just watching your lady push and she's in an incredible amount of pain, but you know, you're going to be there. You're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. When I say exhausted, my, my, our situation was a little different because we were in labor for so long. Guys, you are going to be so tired. You're going to be so tired that you're going to be delusional. You're going to be delirious. You're going to be just wish you're going to be thinking about all those days that you could have slept in a couple more hours. Um, but you know, point is, is that during that labor process, depending on how long it lasts, I don't need to elaborate anymore. Just be there, be present, be a good dad, be a good man. It's going to be a great experience and you're going to be very proud at the end of the day. Also, you look at the human body for a female and you look at what they go through and what they do and you realize that life and the birthing process and women in general are just so fucking magical and it's what they do is a real miracle and it, you, you just can't fathom how this baby was just nothing but a single cell organism nine months ago and all of a sudden he's a freaking, you know, he has hands and arms and he's crying and he's moving around. He's got a full head of hair. And it's like you, you and your lady created something out of nothing and you're in awe. And I think to describe the emotions that I had, since you guys are probably curious as to what I felt when I first saw my son is a combination of you're, you're in utter shock because here's this baby that's been moving around in a womb for so long. You're kind of projecting a personality onto it and, but you can't really visualize what it looks like because you can't see it. You only know there's a baby in there. All of a sudden you see it, you're in shock. You're like, holy shit, I didn't, this thing is real. Like this really just happened. Then you're, then you're emotional. You, you're tired. You start getting all teary eyed. You, you, you know, you look at your, your wife and she's teary eyed and she's in shock and you're happy. You're overjoyed. You're ecstatic. You're terrified all at the same time. You go through every emotion that you possibly can in only 30 seconds that the baby comes out and is put on the chest. By the way, make sure that you guys are doing two things if you do a hospital birth. Skin to skin contact for at least an hour. They say about 15 minutes, but fuck that, do an hour, hour at least. We did an hour and a half, and then he had skin to skin with me after that. Do skin to skin, make sure the baby comes out, make sure the mother's bosom is open, make sure her chest is open, and make sure that baby sticks there. So when we put the baby on my lady's chest, the baby just hung out there and it just like absorbed into her and I noticed that after the baby was chilling there for about an hour, I think they were breastfeeding. I can't remember. He breastfed really quick. Um, once that baby was pulled off, it peeled off of her as if this is the only way I could describe it. Have you guys ever sat on a leather couch butt naked? 
for like a long period of time and you sit there or on like your computer chair with leather. And when you get up, it just peels your ass cheeks. You know, you're stuck to it. That's what it reminded me of. And I realized that exchange, that skin to skin contact solidified an exchange between the mother and the baby. And it allowed for a transference of energy and uh, certain, what is it called? Bacteria that goes into the baby's gut microbiome. Your microbiome is absolutely essential for producing serotonin, you know, making you feel good, digestion, blood flow, all that stuff like that. So that moment of skin to skin contact for at least an hour, in my opinion, an hour is absolutely critical. It's a real shame that there's a lot of mothers out there that either don't want to do skin to skin contact um, because they think it's gross, which not a lot, a lot of women are like that, especially after they give birth. But it's mostly the hospital that is going to want you to get that baby off your chest as soon as possible because for liability's sake. They instantly want to start, you know, this hospital wasn't as bad. It was pretty good. They instantly will want to start suctioning the mouth, getting the baby off, getting into an incubator, doing all their shit, cleaning it off. And imagine that. It's like part of being a good parent is realizing or asking yourself the question is, would I like that to be done to me if I was a baby? Would I like to be yanked out of the womb, thrown into an incubator, rubbed with this weird rough material that's a towel, gagged with this fucking syringy thing that clears out their throat? And I get it. You know, they're doing their thing. It's, but you got to draw the line somewhere. And um, yeah, so so it's like skin to skin contact, um, umbilical cord. One last thing I'll comment on this. This is very valuable. I hope that you guys are getting value out of this because these are some of the things I wish somebody would have told me before going into this process. Um, umbilical cord cut. Wait at least 15 minutes before you cut the umbilical cord. Sun's going down. Wait at least 15 minutes before you cut the umbilical cord because there is a essential transference of blood between the baby and the mom that still takes place after the baby is born. So I say waiting, wait 15 minutes because that the umbilical cord, if you have the consciousness to look, cause you're going to be in so much shock, you're not even going to give a fuck about that cord, um, that it still pumps. It's still pumping blood. It's like a heart. <laughs> Let that blood go to the baby. It's going to fill up the baby. The blood is all going to go straight up there. It's going to be very healthy. I can't remember the exact benefits, but it's called delay cord clamping or something like that. Look into it. Um, but wait 15 minutes. We waited 15 minutes. And then the doctor asked, great doctor, amazing doctor. One of the best doctors I've ever seen in my life asked, are you guys ready to cut the umbilical cord yet? You know, my, my, my girl looked at the midwife and she's like, can we cut it? Because we wanted to make sure that it's been longer than 15 minutes. Midwife looked down at the umbilical cord. It was dead white. It was like a worm. Just, there was like no life in it left and then no pulse at all in the umbilical cord. So that's when we could cut it. So that was good. Skin to skin contact and then uh, uh, delayed cord clamping. And then, uh, but guys, that skin to skin contact is absolutely essential. I cannot emphasize that enough. But anyways, you're going through all these emotions. Your child is born. Your wife is half happy. Hopefully you had a healthy birth. Um, and, you know, after that, you know, your, your lady's going to be absolutely tired, exhausted. You're going to be tired. Drain the adrenaline dump that takes place after your child's birth. You're just going to be like, wanting to sleep so bad, but sleep time is over. You had a kid. You're not going to sleep anymore. And I, I'm not saying that to like scare you guys. Babies don't sleep as much. And I mean, we're, we're two weeks in now. He's sleeping three hours at a time, which is fantastic. Cause when we first got him and he came out of the womb, he didn't sleep for eight hours. Yeah. He was up all night, like just crying, fussing. Um, the alarms in the hospital were going off constantly. Nurses were coming in, poking and prodding. Um, doing their tests and ear tests and nose tests and testing, testing mom and even testing me. It's like so much poking and prodding, which I get it. It's liability. It's part of the process. It's the standard. Okay. But 
after that night was over, we gave birth at seven at nine o'clock that next day. We started packing our shit and getting out of there because we're like, we want to go home. You know, Magnus got home. He was happier to be home. I was happier. My lady was happier. Uh, so just play it out, play it by ear and, and trust yourself as a parent and trust your child. Um, but I hope you guys have a healthy birth because that shit can be really, really scary, especially if you didn't get the anatomy scan and you're not sure what, if any, he has any deformities or problems or concerns. Um, but anyways, yeah, don't do the ultras. Don't overdo the ultra scans either, but too many ultra scans can start damaging the baby at a certain point on a cellular level. But let's see what else. So yeah, you just gave birth to your child. Fantastic feeling. Now you, now you got to get home. Now that's when the game really starts to begin. Now we had such an intense labor that everything else after that really seems like cake. But that first night that you guys get home um, from having a child, you're going to be in shock. Um, but you ride a three-day high. You ride a three-day high. I don't know. Maybe it lasts more for other people. But for us, it was three days where you're just feeling fucking good. You're feeling top of the world. You're feeling amazing. You feel like you got everything. And, you know, yeah, it's like the baby's crying a lot. But you're still, you, you got endorphins. You got oxytocin going through you. You're happy. You know, you, you just accomplished a huge thing and you should be proud. You should be happy. But, you know, it's funny. You ride the high and after the fourth or fifth day, the exhaustion catches up to you. And you guys are like, oh, my God. fuck. Um, but OK, so baby's home. You take the baby home. Hopefully you guys did not invite family over right away or rather your family didn't intrude on that sacred time that takes place after the baby's born. I highly suggest that if you do have visitors, peek in and out. Come in, look at the baby. Hey, baby. Hi, baby. Bye, baby. Out. Because you're going to really want to spend time with you and your wife and your baby getting to know that baby, getting to know his rhythms and his patterns. He doesn't want to be disrupted. He doesn't want to be passed around like a rag doll. Like I said, would you like that happening to you if you were a baby? Probably not. You don't want to be passed around and people kissing you and pulling on your cheeks and shit like that. And it's fucking cold. You know, you're, you got blankets coming on and off you and your hat's getting pulled off. And, you know, you don't want that. You want to chill in a bed as calm quiet environment as possible. And when you bring family into the mix, make it quick, make them, hopefully you, if you live close to your family, um, make it quick, make them come in, uh, look at the baby. Hi baby. Bye baby. Okay. Um, they'll ask you, can we help with anything? Holding the baby is not fucking helping. Holding the baby is not helping. When a family member says I can help you by holding the baby. No, you can help by doing the dishes. You can help by um, vacuuming the floor, or you can help by getting stuff out of the car. That's very helpful. Um, but when it comes to like other family and baby contact, keep it minimal, like lock them in a fucking room if you have to. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, my family still lives in California. So I, I said two to four weeks for my family to visit because I wanted them to come over at a point to where they could stay for longer, that the baby's more awake, that mom's more comfortable, the adrenaline's down, stress is down. And, you know, they'll be here this weekend. And I'm comfortable with them coming over now because I'm like, oh, okay, everything's good. Like everything's good. Everybody can come over now say hi to the baby. You know, we can have some beers, make some dinner, celebrate. It's going to be a, a time for celebration. That's for sure. But hopefully your family doesn't overstep some boundaries and just come right in your house fucking 20 minutes after the baby gets here and starts flustering you. Because like I said, stress-free environment, but you know, anyways, breastfeeding, hopefully your breastfeeding is going well. Um, don't jump into formula or bottle feeding. I know a lot of Mothers these days, actually 46% of mothers, I looked it up, um, will go straight to formula feeding within the first six months. Um, bottle feeding, no. If you can go breastfeeding, your breast breastfeeding the baby is superior. If you want a big fucking strong child, if you want a strong human, breastfeed that baby for as long as you possibly can. I'm talking like two years of breastfeeding. And um, 
Yeah, a lot of parents want to go straight into formula feeding because we've been brainwashed into believing that formula is the way to go, that it's either more healthy, more reliable, easier on the mom. You know, it's really tempting to want to feed your baby formula or like bottled breast milk in the overnight because mom's tired and she doesn't want to breastfeed. And hopefully that's not your lady. Hopefully she's not ex excited to breastfeed every time. Breastfeeding is a lot of work. It's a, more than a full-time job, but at least deliberate and intentional with their breastfeeding to where, um, you know, she's not going to jump straight to the bottle. If you can convince your lady that breastfeeding is absolutely superior. Mind you, we have all been brainwashed. Uh, breastfeeding is superior. Let me open this video. Breastfeeding is superior. Bottle feeding, formula feeding, worthless. It's just soy. It's poisonous. There's a lot of um, uh, toxins in a lot of these foods now. Uh, these formulas that are just going to be, it's going to just poison your child. So don't even do it. Breastfeed. Okay. But she's going to need time to breastfeed. When they say that parenting an infant or a baby, breastfeeding is a full-time job. No, it's not a fucking full-time job. It's a new lifestyle. A job you get to go home from. A job is nine to five. You know, you get weekends off. You get paid vacation time. You're a breastfeeding mom. You're not. You're not getting any of that. You know, you might get two or three hour breaks at least. But if you have a baby like ours who was born at nine pounds, that dude feeds every thirty to forty five minutes. You know, it's like you're going to be working. So hopefully, you've done everything you can to keep her hydrated, stress free, um, good diet, so that the baby has a good latch, doesn't have any tongue ties and stuff like that. But you know. All dads can agree that after the first couple of weeks, you'll look back at when you where you first started. Those first three days, they can be pretty difficult. I would say day like five to 10 is pretty hard, but you start getting in a rhythm. Baby starts getting into a rhythm. You know, get out into the sun. Don't forget to neglect that. And you'll realize, and you'll start to see your baby's personality coming out. And he gets smiles and he gets excited. And, you know, there's going to be times when you as a dad, um, are particularly frustrated for one of two reasons. One, baby's cries are annoying, guys. They are annoying. They're designed to be annoying. They're designed to get your attention. So, you know, that's, you also feel kind of useless in a way because all you can do is if if you got home time, like you're going to be home for a couple of weeks, you can't do shit. The baby doesn't want anything to do with you because you don't have a titty. You don't have milk. Um, the thing you could do is skin to skin contact. The baby will kind of like that, but then it's going to want milk in 20 minutes anyways. So just understand that your job as a father in the beginning is just providing support for the mother. Because if the mother doesn't have the support from you, then the baby doesn't get the support from you either. So it's like an indirect support system, okay? Provide the mother with food and with water and comfort and stress-free and love and nurturing, all that stuff. Um, and then your, your baby will be healthy. And take everything slow, guys. So many parents want to rush with everything, getting diaper changes on as fast as you possibly can taking a fucking cold ass wet wipe right up, right up the butt crack, right to the balls. And it's like the baby gets all upset. It's like, take your time. Ask yourself, would I like what is being done to me if I was a baby? So ask yourself, well, you know, I got a wet wipe warmer and somebody said, oh, that's useless. Like just wipe the baby real quick. Okay. Would you like a cold ass wet wipe going up your butthole, which you didn't even know you had until a day ago, um, rubbed all of your nuts, you're freaking chafing, you're peeling at the same time. It's like, you're very sensitive down there and you may or may not be circumcised, but you don't circumcise your child. That is like one of the, I'm getting distracted here, but I'm glad I mentioned this. Don't circumcise your child. It is one of the most traumatic things that you can induce a child to. It is very painful. It'll change your physiological neural makeup and they will potentially not feed anymore because they'll be so traumatized. They'll be forced to move to the formula. It's a Jewish tradition 
unless you're Jewish, like I don't understand why you're you're circumcising. And a lot of people argue, oh, it's for sanitary reasons. You know, you got to do it because it's sanitary. What if he gets made fun of by his peers uh, and stuff like that? I'm like, yeah, I'm not willing to mutilate my child's penis. Um, you know, I'm not Jewish. There's really no need to do it. It's natural. Um, you know, it's a, we've been doing it for so long because we've all been brainwashed that we need to circumcise our children. You know, I'm circumcised. My parents, grandparents, you know, circumcised, I'm sure. But we need to break that cycle. And you can't blame your parents from circumcising you. They didn't know. Um, you know, their grandparents didn't know. Nobody really knew why we were doing it. Nobody really asked the questions. But, you know, my dad and I were talking about it. He asked me if I was going to circumcise my son. And, you know, we're both circumcised. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to do it. You know, and he agreed with me. And we both agreed. They're like, yeah, why do we do that? You know, we started asking the right questions. But do your own research, okay? You know, just figure out, just understand that circumcision is very, very traumatic very, very painful. And your child will likely not be the same after you circumcise them. And don't give me that fucking bullshit argument. Like, Oh, the kid's not even going to remember. Yeah. I don't remember getting circumcised either. You know, nobody remembers getting circumcised when they're a day old, but I can tell you that when the body, especially as a newborn is induced to great amount of pain and physical trauma that changes the neurological makeup of the brain, that shit lasts. There's a reason why there's a book right here that I'm looking at called the body keeps the score. It's about, it says brain, mind, and the body uh, healing of trauma. So basically it's the idea that what your body and mind endures, whether it's intense amounts of pain, like for example, getting your penis chopped off or whatever, the brain changes. It adapts to that trauma that it's experiencing, emotional, physical, mental, whatever it is. So don't circumcise your child, please. You know, look into reasons why you're doing it and you'll be shocked. Maybe even look into to why we started circumcising in the first place. Um, but I, I don't want to get any further because I'll get banned off of YouTube. But anyways, you know, what else, what else was I saying? Um, yeah, be very patient with your child. Understand that they're new to this world. They're brand new to this world. And that the world is very scary and it's very uncomfortable. And children require a lot of comfort and they require a lot of love and they a lot of um, literal handholding. <laughs> like they want to be on your chest. They want to feel you. They want to know you're there. So don't 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 take their crying personally. I mean, take it take it personally to a certain extent. They have needs that need to be met. Um, but don't feel like you're doing something wrong. Don't feel like they're mad at you. A baby is like an iPhone, you know, in a lot of ways. They're just, they react to stimulus. They react to cold wind and touches and you're being too rough with them or too quick. Take everything really slow. You know, you don't need to rush a diaper change. You don't need to rush a feeding slow. I'm telling you guys, it takes me a fucking hour to get into the grocery store now because we're so slow now. And, you know, Magnus is so new that if we can, just calm down for a second. Enjoy the view. Enjoy the outside world. Enjoy watching your lady admire and hold your child and, you know, take everything in. You're, you're going to, your pace of life is going to change significantly. Everything that you're going to do with your family is going to decrease by like 75% speed. But in that reduction of haste, in that reduction of being rushed, there are moments where you can realize, man, Life can be pretty slow. I don't have to rush into the grocery store. Like I got three hours, you know, I'm, you know, I got the day off and you can breathe. You can slow down and your, your baby will react to that. And your baby will know that it doesn't need to be rushed and that life doesn't have to be as busy as everyone wants you to make it, you know? So keep that in mind. And the whole cry it out thing, guys, it's like, I understand where we came from with that. You know, there's this idea that crying it out, letting your baby cry um, when it's hungry or when it needs to be fed or 
The idea that babies just cry for no reason at all has kind of been absurd to me because babies, like I said, they're iPhones, you know, like not literally, but they, they're programs programmed in a way to, to cry or to whine or to fuss when they have minimal needs that need to be met. I think that most, not all babies, but most babies cry when they need to be fed, when they need snuggles, when they need diaper changes, when they're cold. So the idea of letting a baby cry out, um, I don't know. Everyone does it, I guess, but I, I don't think it's necessary. And I, you know, quoted the other day, I said, um, love a baby now so that you can be free from it later. And that's basically the idea of like, you know, you up until a child becomes semi-independent up to like, what, three or four years when they're running around your backyard and stuff like that, you give them all that love and attention and that they need, you're going to create a more confident baby. You're going to create a baby who's not going to need you nearly as much when they get older. Um, and that's, I think the goal is we want to create depend, independent, resourceful, sovereign human beings that don't need mommy and daddy 24 seven, you know? And, um, I feel like if you give them the love you need now, you, they can be free from it later. And that's kind of a hard concept to wrap around, uh, to wrap your head around. But I think a good inspiration for that concept is Magda Gerber, Magda Gerber. That's her name. Sweet old lady died in 2007 at the age of 97, teaches respectful parenting, you know, um, taking everything slow, pretty much everything I'm saying now, I fucking wouldn't be anywhere with this stuff. It wasn't for her lessons and my lady bringing me to her attention or to my attention. Um, Magda Gerber, respectful parenting, you know, just take everything slow guys. Only do what, and that's not to say that a baby's babies need to cry. Sometimes I don't want you guys to think that every time a baby cries instantly, just pick them up. And no, sometimes a baby cries and cries and just let them cry. And uh, you just realize that he has a lot of pent up energy in there. And um, like I said, the world is very scary to him and very new. And there's a lot of stimulus. There's lights and sounds. And hopefully you're keeping a slow environment. But one last piece of advice I can offer maybe when it comes to the crying, because, you know, I realized I got a little sidetracked earlier, is that you're going to get probably frustrated. I get frustrated. I used to get frustrated when Magnus would start crying and I would take it personally. And when he cries, you're going to realize that it goes straight into your ears and straight into your heart. And you hold that tension in your chest. You hold your breath. Your heart's pounding because he's like, ah, babies, when babies cry, it's like the most horrifying noise ever, at least for me. You know, there's a little cry where it's like, yeah, yeah. and then there's like, like they're fucking screaming out of here. But when he cries, you know, don't let that cry get stuck in your chest, tighten up, you get nervous, you get anxious, you get stressed, especially during those first three days. Just breathe through the cry. Just ignore, don't ignore it. Just acknowledge the cry. Be grateful for it to a certain extent because he's not going to be a cute little newborn forever. And just understand that he just has needs that need to be met. You know, don't take it personally. Don't get stressed out. Um, but I don't know. I can't think of anything else I can offer you guys for this episode. Uh, you know, I hope that I offered you guys something. I think it's kind of strange to see a man talking about raising a baby and a newborn and breastfeeding you know, nurturing and respectful parenting. You don't see it very often, but uh, I don't know. I was inspired to be a good parent because my parents were good parents. And, you know, I think that every parent should adapt certain things with knowledge over time to make every new generation a little bit better. And, uh, you know, if you're not doing things to make your child's childhood better, I want my child's, you know, my grandchildren's childhood to be better than his and, you know, so on and so forth. So it's like, 
you know, my dad learned things about raising a kid that he passed on to me and I'm learning things, you know, myself and it go, you just realize that life is very cyclic and magical and having a kid is just really puts things into perspective, really wakes you up. You really do wonder what the fuck you were doing with your life before you had this kid because it's just change. It just changes you guys. Like it just changes you and it's a great change. It's a scary change. And you realize that the world is, um, you got a stake in the game now. You know what I mean? You got to start caring about things a little bit more than you used to. You got to drive a little slower. You got to, you got to, you got to take full stops at those stoplights. You got to start thinking about shit like public schooling and not going there because it sucks now. Um, but anyways, I don't want to talk too much because this episode's already gone on for 40 minutes, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and just know that everything's going well. For you aspiring fathers, good on you. Good on you, man. Find a good lady. Find a good lady that you trust with having your babies. Um, you know, yeah, that's all, that's all I can suggest. So I'll end it here, guys. Don't forget to join the Patreon. It costs a dollar a month, $3 to sign up. And um, if you guys have any questions, maybe comment below. Leave a like, subscribe. My subscriber rate's like 50% per video now. So there's like 50% of my average viewers aren't subscribed. Um, but leave comments below things that help things that you agreed with things that you didn't agree with, uh, get a dialogue going in the comment section. If you made it this far. Okay. And for the Spotify listeners, don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes and you know, all that good stuff. But all right, I'll see you guys for the next one.